Thanks, Tim and John. Those guys are a real blessing to our church, right? I was thinking on the ride over, I was like, I would love it if they would do I Saw the Light, and you read my mind. Just for me. Uh, so, good morning, everyone. Hey, great to see you all here. Got some bustling going on, so I'm just trying to wait a minute. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Hey, so today's sermon is titled, When I Was a Girl Scout, and we're going to come to that in just a minute. Thank you. I've been asked sometimes, what is the title of the sermon? And that is not usually something I think about. And today I was like, well, I guess I could throw a bone and we got a title. So, so we're going to come back to that. One of the things that we did shortly after I got here is we started having some conversations with some of the leadership about possibly a little facelift on some of the way that things look. And so changing a little bit of the paint. And I know, hold on, buckle up. We're not changing any of the carpet. So it should be completely... <laughs> flawless and nobody should be upset about anything, right? So look, we, we convened a small team of us and we talked through what would it look like, what, what would be some things that would be beneficial, what would a change look like, how could it, uh, just, just a way to update and kind of upgrade some of the look around here. And so uh, Seven Horath and Samita Lindsay and myself kind of had a meeting and we, we came up with a few ideas and then we ran them through the John and Joy over here. And so these people are all to blame. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. So we're, uh, we're at the point where we're ready to kind of bring a proposal, and so we're going to have a meeting on Tuesday, August 6th, here at 7 p.m., and so if you want to have some input, if you want to ask some questions, please feel free to come to that. We uh, thought, you know, this is a good time to kind of have an, an initial meeting, and then eventually we'll bring it in a large group meeting. And so if you have questions or thoughts, please uh, bring those to me. Complaints bring to me, uh, questions you can bring to the rest of them, but complaints bring to me, and we'll have that meeting on Tuesday, August 6th. Is there anything else I was supposed to say with that? Roger that. So, I have two stories this morning. The first, when I was a Girl Scout. So, I've told you all, I think, a little bit about when I was a, a Cub Scout, and so when I was a Cub Scout, I had this thing where, you know, my dad had left, and that's not a joke really, but, but it did happen. So my dad had left, but what happened is all these other kids had dads to help them get badges, and so I had craftiness to help me get badges, and so what I did is I just made things up to get badges, and so I'd say, oh yeah, I learned all those knots that sailors know this past week, so go ahead and, no, I don't need to show you, don't question me on that. So, so I was making up all these things to get badges, and eventually, as most cheaters recognize, it just was not satisfying. So I, I quit the Cub Scouts because this cheating to get badges was not really scratching the itch for me. But what happened was my mom was the, the, the Girl Scout leader for my older sister's troop, and my younger sister had not been born yet, and so she had this time issue now. So what do we do with this small boy who can't stop making up things to get badges? Well, I got sworn in, I got deputized, uh, I will only ever sell the best cookies, you know, <laughs> things like that. So, so they swore me in on a, a package of the Samoas, right? They were called something else at the time. And they swore me in and they're like, all right, you're an officially a Girl Scout or whatever. And so that was delightful for me who <laughs> doesn't like to be contained in general. And so they, they did this thing, and I don't know if this is universal to Girl Scouts or not, but they, they had this craft that they were working on and it was called a sit-upon. And is that true? We had, oh, all right, well, I just thought it was something they made up, and this was before the internet was really a thing, so nobody was Pinteresting, so I don't even know how they, so we made this thing called a sit-upon one time, and basically it's leather that you hook onto your belt, 
so you can sit upon. So they, they had this thing that they made, right? And, and this was something that I had to participate in. <laughs> and I was like, that's lame, right? I, and so <laughs> this was not really the high rush type of thing that I really wanted with my week. So I, I made that. And then they had this thing where they went on a hike to test out the sit-upons for some reason. And so we're out in the middle of this kind of Oklahoma desert, and we had driven a long way, and I was stuck in the car with all these girls, and I was so annoyed already. And so with minimal supervision, I thought these tests for the sit-upon are not really adequate, right? So I was like, somebody really needs to test these things and see what kind of strength they've got. So that was my job, right? So... (laughs) So I started doing this, and this was my first act as a Girl Scout, I guess, but I started testing these sit-upons, and, and here's the thing, they work pretty well on a lot of things. In fact, they even work on cactuses, but, <laughs> but skin does not work on cactuses. <laughs> cacti? Skin does not, is that right? Skin does not work on cacti, <laughs> and pants don't really work, so the sit-upon did a great job of protecting me from this cactus, but the rest of me was infiltrated with cactus, and, and so I remember somebody really ruined the trip, and I'm not going to say who, so I remember this was pretty early into this Girl Scout outing, and I had a handful of cactus stickers or whatever, what are they called? My leg was full of them, and I was crying and upset, and I just completely, I, and they didn't let me back in the Girl Scouts after that, but one of the things about Girl Scouts that I really remember, they, they would always have this thing, and I don't know if th- you guys can correct me if this is universal, but they would always say, leave a place better than you found it. And so that stuck with me. So they would always say this to each other, leave a place better than you found it. And the cactus did not get left better than I found it. <laughs> I wasn't a good member, but I did learn that thing, right? And so hold on to that. We're going to come back to it. One of the other things about being in a dysfunctional family growing up is we none of us had expectations. We didn't have jobs around the house. And so I would, (laughs) our house was a mess all the time, okay? And so, you know, if somebody wanted a dish, they had to clean a dish, right? So that's not my problem. I didn't, you know, I don't want a dish right now. I'll wait until somebody else cleans it. So we had this thing where none of us had these expectations. And that works great if you're a child and you're in a dysfunctional family. But when you get married, that doesn't work so great. (laughs) So... (laughs) I've, I've been given a whole lot of grace in our marriage, and, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about one of the first tests of that. So we, we had gotten married, and we, I was doing seminary, right? And so I was driving two hours to seminary, two hours back. I was, I was doing four classes, so this was like eight hours in class, four hours each side of that, driving up before five o'clock, and, and so I was doing this twice a week. Then I was working at Starbucks making calorie-rich frappuccinos, and I was pastoring, co-pastoring a church start, and I was newly married. And so we had all these things that we were doing, right? And, and so Robin was walking me through all that. And, and one of the things that would happen is I had these expectations for the way our house would be all the time. And so uh, she would prepare dinner, and then she would also do the dishes. And, and so we had these disagreements on whose job was what. And I remember thinking, jobs? People have jobs? <laughs> If you, want to wash the, if you want the dishes to be clean, that sounds like something you should have to do. <laughs> and, and so we, it, it was this constant disagreement early in our marriage, and, and I would always hide behind, well, I'm too busy. And now I look back and I'm like, oh, I didn't have 10 minutes to wash some dishes? I mean, that, that is a minimal amount of time. Yes, I was busy, 
but there's also an expectation in a family, right? We all have something we have to do. We all have to pull some weight. So much so that even now we have our kids feed the dog. Is it a minor thing? Yeah, it's, it's terribly minor, but they still have this job to do. So hold on to both of those things, and we're going to come back to it. Matthew chapter 25. And we are going to be starting in verse 14 here this morning. So in the first verse of chapter 25, he says, The kingdom of heaven will be like... So again, he says in 14, Again, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the man who had received the one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you have entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Parables are one of my all-time favorite parts of the Gospels. And in, in fact, so much so, we're going to come the end of September and all of October, we're going to have a, a series about parables. And the nice thing about parables is they're just so, they're so simple, but they're so multifaceted at the same time. And, and they really reveal to me kind of the brilliance of Jesus as a teacher. And yes, he was more things, but he was an amazing teacher. He said these things that were just so difficult, so hard to understand, so, so simple, but also so difficult. And, and so one of the things I love about parables is that. And so one of the things that I would point out with this parable is that it's basically talking about gifting, right? It's talking about a master giving something and expecting some kind of return on it. So this parable is about gifting, and one of the things I think we ought to pull out of this parable is that people are not ever gifted the same way. No two people are gifted in the same way. So every person has a unique skill set, a unique gifting set. The guy got five, one guy got two, one guy got one. They all got a unique amount. And so, so oftentimes we think, well, everybody's got the same amount of gifting. 
they just have different things, and, and that's not really true. Some people are just more gifted than others, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. It's okay to acknowledge it, but I think what we do have to do is recognize that God expects some kind of return, some kind of investment on that gifting. So we've all got different levels of gifting, but the point was, will we use that gifting? And that's the question, I think, that comes up in this parable. One of the things we talked about, I had a seminary class all about, about parables, and one of the things that we were talking about is like, what would have happened with the guy with one? Say he went out and he did risk it. Say he, he bet big on something and he missed Say he lost that one. What would the master have done? And I tend to think, and, and this is completely non-canonical, and so don't uh, quote me on this. I, I guess you can, but I'm not going to back it up. So <laughs> I tend to think the master would have looked and he would have said, you know, you tried to use this gift, and so, yeah, sometimes the brakes don't go your way, but thank you for trying. Thank you for taking the risk. And I think the point of it is we are meant to be using these things that God has given us. And all too often we sit back and we wait and we think it sounds really risky to be using that. God rewards those who take risks. God rewards those who take chances. And I think that would be the point there. And so a lot of times we think, well, you know, at least he did get some kind of return on it. At least he got it back. God's not looking to get us back, right? He's looking for an investment in what we've done in our lives. So the last thing about that is, is, is not using your gift means that you don't belong to the community. And that's a hard teaching, right? It's hard to recognize that, but, but Jesus is pointing out here, this guy does not belong because he has not used his gift. And I think that's, that's one of the things about the parables that's difficult to me. So the question, I think, is what is God's goal for all of us? God's goal for all of us is that we would be part of church. That, that is ultimately God's goal here in this world. And so what is church? Church is God's people, God's image, implementing God's reign within God's rightful dominion, themselves, others, and the world in the same way he would and he did. So how did Jesus start to implement his reign? What did he do? He called a family of disciples. He called people to start doing his work. He called people to share in his work. He called them to use their giftings and use their abilities in the same way he would and he did. And so God's goal is that we would be the church, right? So a lot of times we say, I'm going to go to church, or I left church, or we, we came to church this week. I missed church this week. You can't miss church because you are the church, so everywhere you go, that is where church is. So anytime you're doing anything, that's what the church is doing. And so if you are the church, we saw the first month, we saw in the month of June, church is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Everywhere you go, the Holy Spirit is going there with you. The Holy Spirit wants to interact. It wants to, to meet people where they are. And so it takes you as a vessel to meet those people. This past month, we've been looking at how God called a family. He started with Abraham, and then he called a family to be his representatives in the world. We are that family. We are the family of God. And, and here's the deal about families, the thing I learned early on in marriage. Families all have jobs to do. Everyone in a family has a job to do. And so a lot of times we, we don't approach things like the Girl Scouts. We, we think if I can go to church, then I can leave church. But what if we all said... I want to leave church a better place than I found it. What if we all became Girl Scouts in that way and we said, we're going to leave church a better than we found it. Families all have jobs to do. So that's what church is. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. The question is, I think, how would God implement his reign? What would it look like for this family to all have different jobs to do? Ephesians chapter 4. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Skip down. 
verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service, for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the full, mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So those are phrases I think we miss a lot of times, that as each part does its work. And, and sometimes we think sitting is work, right? And, and that's not accurate. It's not accurate that sitting is part of the work that we're called to do. So a couple of things I think that I notice, the clear implication in this passage is that the body will not reach maturity. Christians will continue to be stagnant if they do not serve and they do not use their gifts. This is something that I wish were not true, but it is. So a lot of times people will come to me and they'll say, hey, I've been struggling spiritually. I feel like I'm kind of stagnant. I've plateaued in my spiritual life. And and most of the time I'll say something like, have you thought about trying to serve somewhere? And they'll say, well, the thing is, and that's the end of the conversation most of the time, right? And and not any of you. Nobody in here would say that. But, But people out there have said it. So a lot of times if we're struggling with stagnation, to me the step that we have to take is to say, what can I do to serve? How can I make others more important than myself? How can I give back to the body, the family of God? And so a lot of times we we recognize that we will not reach this kind of maturity just by studying, just by talking, just by showing up. We have to give back. We have to serve. We have to do things. We have to use our gifts. And that is the clear teaching here in Ephesians to me. We seek this mature body. Well, it's time for the body to get to work. Bodies do not, bodies that don't move, bodies that don't do work, don't mature. That's just true in the physical life, and it's true in the spiritual life, too. And so serving is really twofold. Families have jobs to do, in other words. Serving is really twofold. By serving, our communities and churches are changed, and we ourselves are also changed. Our churches and our communities are changed when we serve. So look around and think about what could our church look like if everyone had a job to do? What could we do with that kind of work? What could we be? How different could Columbus, Ohio be? How different could the United States be if we as Christians caught a vision of being the kind of servants that Jesus was, that Paul was? But not only that, if that's not enough reward, think about how different you could be if you began to serve in this way. So, what could that look like? Serving is, is really the truth of the matter is serving is where real love meets real life. And this is something that the elders came up with and they've been talking about. But serving reveals this kind of truth to our world. When we serve one another, when we serve our world, that is a revelation of real love in real life. And so what could this look like? A lot of times, a lot of times you've probably heard the phrase 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. I always think what would it look like? How much work could we get done? <laughs> if 100% of the people were doing work. Pull back from that even. What if 80% of the people were doing work? That's a lot of work, isn't it? So 
If we all found our niche, if we all committed to work and to serve in our church family, what could that possibly mean if we had 125 people and they all said, you know what, I can give an hour and a half a month. Does anybody have an hour and a half that you have wasted in the last month? Just me, right? <laughs> Nobody else, just me. I've watched an hour and a half of television this month. <laughs> Confession. If 125 people said, I can find an hour and a half to give to a church body that I believe in, a church family that I love, we would have 187 and a half hours. That's more than one full-time worker. More than one full-time. Now, the thing about full-time workers is, for any of us that are full-time workers, you're not really going all the way 40 hours a week. I don't know any, any people that are really doing that. Well, I know a couple that, that do physical type labor. They're going all the way. A lot of us that have office type jobs, there's a lot of times when we're, we just, we, we, we stop, you know, we're like, oh, I wasn't working for 30 minutes, I don't know what happened there, you know. <laughs> so, but if you're, if you're concentrating, you say, I'm just going to go do an hour and a half of work, how many of us can work for an hour and a half solid pretty easily? And so, so think about that, we're, we're getting more than a full-time worker out of that, because everybody would be going all the way for an hour and a half. Go beyond that. What if you looked and you said, I could give two and a half hours this month? we would have almost two full-time workers. So think about how much different things could look like. Think about how many more things we could get done. Think about all the things that we look and we say, it would be really nice if church did blank. When God puts that on your heart, he might be saying, you are the church, right? <laughs> and it would be really nice if you did blank. This is the call for all of us, I think. So what are, are some possible things that could be filled? What are some possible jobs that we have well, kids and youth need help mentoring. We always need people that will work with kids and youth. These are hard jobs, and kids can be demanding. Youth can be demanding. And so you may look and you may say, well, uh, yeah, I could do that once a month. I could do that every other. I could do that once a season. The nice thing about the way we're doing the seasons is we're asking for signups just for the fall. So we're just asking people, hey, commit to serve through the fall. You might even find it enjoyable. Greeters, coffee, security, we, one of the things that I'm convicted about is we, we probably need to take a look at how we do security here. It, it makes sense for us before anything happens to look at that, but it would be really great if we had somebody in the parking lot most weeks. How much time does that take? Maybe an hour a week, right? An hour a month. So what else? Slides or sound? Cheryl is the road warrior back there, and she goes hard all the time, <laughs> but uh, she does slides almost all the time. Yeah, wave to Cheryl. <laughs> she does slides almost all the time, and, and we love that, but, but Cheryl needs a break, and, and it's pretty easy just to click a button. We could teach you how pretty quick, and so we could, need, we could use people to help with that. We have grounds that, that need things done. We've got boards around the top, and that might not be a job for volunteers. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. I'm not in charge of the insurance, so <laughs> maybe don't do that. Uh, but there's other repairs. There's, there's painting. There's planning and event coordinating. You may say, I love event coordinating. I would love to plan some events. I've got a lot of ideas, and I hate planning. So, <laughs> so talk to me, and I would love to help you with that. So there's all kinds of things that we could find for people to do. There's all kinds of jobs. And so you may not have even seen one, but you may have thought in your mind before, it would be really great if church blank. Talk to me about it. Let's figure out a way to get the church moving, the way to get the church in action. Because a body that works is a body that's growing, and a body that works is a body that's fulfilled, content. So pray with me over the next month. Pray with me about what kind of job you could possibly do. One of the things that we're going to do through the month of August is we're going to have all the types of jobs out in the lobby there. We're going to have just a, a blank sign up, and you can go and you can say, I'm interested in this kind of job. 
You can write it down, and then we can chat with you, and maybe after talking about it, you're like, nah, I can't do that. I can do something else. But all through the month of August, we're going to try to get people signing up for things. And, and so sign up, give us a listen, and maybe we can find a job for you. And then in September, we're going to try to get people implementing those jobs. So September through December is what we're asking signups for. If you remember in January, everybody gets the month off, so you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> so the nice thing about the seasons is we're asking for a brief sign-up. We're asking for a brief commitment, and, and the hope is that we all get a taste of what it means to serve our church in all these different ways. So pray with me, and, and I, I would encourage you to continue praying about this this week and this month through the month of August, and we can get everybody a job to do. Let's pray. Lord God, we are grateful that you entrust us with your work, Lord, and so we, we confess we're not worthy of that, but, but Lord, you trusted us anyway, and so we pray that we would do what we can with what we have, Lord, and that we would honor the giftings you have given us by serving one another, by serving your church, and by serving uh, your world. In your name I pray. Amen.